Today, we're going to go into God's Word um, in Romans 15. If you have your Bibles with you, we're going to open up to Romans 15, and we're going to read just four verses, 18 to 21. And if you're new here, I, I just met uh, a couple who's um, not only new today for the first time at Mosaic, but kind of their f- first time at church. And th- I'm sure there's others of you who are here for the very first time. Welcome. Welcome. Uh, by the way, I'm Dave. I don't know if I've introduced myself. I'm one of the pastors here. And this month, we've been um, inside of Missions Month. Uh, if you don't know what Missions is, Missions um, is the, the work of bringing the gospel to those who don't have the gospel. And so today, we're going to continue in that kind of theme by reading Romans 15 together. And so if you start with verse 18, this is what the living word of God gives us. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And thus, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. This is the word of the Lord, living and active, powerful. Today I I want to to tell you about something that I have been praying about with the leadership for some time. And um, it's been something that we've only kind of whispered about but it's the topic of church planting. And it's uh, an ambition and a a desire that's been in the hearts of um, the leadership, but really uh, my heart for some time. And this is the first time that we're kind of presenting it to the congregation uh, church-wide. This is something that the more I look in scripture and the more I pray about it, the more I'm convinced and can't get away from the fact that this is what I believe God has called us to, is to plant churches for his glory. And today... We're going to have a meeting right after this service. We're going to have lunch here, and so I really encourage you to stay. Um, We are going to be uh, talking a little bit more about the what, where, how, who, all that kind of stuff, about where we are praying about planting a church and how we're praying about doing it. And also, our brother Joe Choi is going to be giving um, a little bit about his campus ministry, how he's reaching the lost, and how you could be a part of that. So I really encourage you to stay afterwards, get some food and stay, and we'll go over uh, those things, and we'll talk a little bit more in detail about church planting. But today in the sermon, all I want to do is give you the why. Um, If you know Simon Sinek, he says, start with why, right? And so I want to give you the why, the heart behind church planting. What is it? And I want to tell you that the heart behind church planting is simply this, to reach the lost with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul here in our passage explains his ambition to see the loss reached with the gospel of Christ. And that has to be the engine behind all things. And so today, I just want to give it to you in two parts. Why church planting? And then secondly, why church planting? Why that mode? Why plant churches instead of just do ministries? And today, I think that the Lord will show us that this is not just Paul's ambition. This is God's ambition. And this is something that he wants to relay to us. So would you pray with me? Bow your heads and we'll ask for God's help together. Father, all that we do during this service is not something that 
we can really do without you. And so we just pray for the Spirit's help now as we look into this word, that, Lord, Father, you would speak in a way that you would if your son was here. And so bless our time. Help us to see what it is that you want us to know about church planting. And I pray that you would bless our time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, today's sermon is about church planting, but it's generally about reaching those God has put into your life with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we are going to focus in on why church planting. So first, why? When you look at this passage, what you see in Paul, in this section of Romans, he's saying that we who have the gospel, it's incumbent upon us to bring the gospel to those who don't have it. He talks about the design of the gospel, and the design of the gospel is unique Compared to Islam, compared to Buddhism, compared to other religions, there's something unique about the gospel that propels us forward. If you read the first couple of verses of this section, this is his heading. He says, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let, us, let each of us please his neighbor for his good and build him up. He says, we who are strong, we have this obligation from the gospel to build up those who are weak. Now, what does it mean strong? Who are strong here? I, I doubt very few of us feel strong. But what he means by strong is those who have grasped the gospel. Those of us who understand the gospel, who have been given the gospel, who have been given by the Spirit a clear understanding and light into the gospel. If that's you, you can't help but to feel the compulsion of the gospel to go to those who are weak and on the outside. Because that's what's special about our gospel, brothers and sisters. That the Christian gospel is that Jesus Christ, our God, came from heaven to earth and he traversed that chasm in order to find those who are lost and went to them with the gospel, not only because they were deserving, but because they were undeserving. Because they were absolutely undeserving, because they were on the outside, he came and gave his life and bled out for the salvation of those who are unworthy of those who don't deserve it, those who are on the outside. And Paul is saying that when you have received this gospel and you have it in your heart and you keep staring at that gospel, there's something about that gospel that compels you out. It's very hard for someone to actually love and cherish the gospel of Jesus Christ and stay in your own little community and not move outside of it. There's something about the gospel that you're not seeing. The very design of the gospel presses us out. And that's why in our passage in verse 20, Paul says, and thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. Paul is not saying he doesn't want to work with people. He's not saying he doesn't want to collaborate with people. If you've read the New Testament, you see the slew of names that are in his letters, all the people that he's working with thanking. But what Paul is saying is that the very design of the gospel is pushing me out to bring the gospel to those who have never heard it in the first place. There's something about the gospel that moves, brothers and sisters. It's different than the other religions. It's endemic to our gospel, that it's a gospel that travels and seeks those who are lost. Because that is what Jesus did. The more you have it, the deeper you get into it, the more you discover that. And the very design of the gospel is what I call you to experience. If you never sat across the table from somebody and watch in their eyes as they grasp the gospel for the first time and see the lights turn on in their mind and heart, 
If you've never had that experience, you haven't fully experienced this gospel. Do you know somebody who has like a sports car, but only drives it like 30 miles an hour to the grocery store every once in a while? I know somebody like this. Do you know somebody who has maybe like a Corvette or a Porsche or something? And you know this thing, this thing can really go. But they drive it once a week to go get Starbucks and then they drive it back into their garage. There's something about that that's off, right? Because you're saying, hey, you know they handmade this thing in Italy with eight, 10 cylinders that pumps out 600 horsepower and it grips the road like a masterpiece and you use it to get groceries like a minivan. Right? There's something off about that, right? My brothers and sisters, if you've never sat in front of someone and see the gospel take over their heart, and they say, I thought Christianity was about good people getting other good people to come to their church. But now I'm seeing for the first time that the gospel is about those who completely un are undeserving being saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. And their eyes light up right in front of you at Panera. Have you experienced that? If you've never experienced that, I call you to move with the gospel. Experience the thrill of what the gospel can do. That's the power of this. And Paul says that's why it obligates us to move towards those who are on the outside. We who are strong, if you have it, you know the thrill and the movement of the gospel, the very design of the gospel of grace is that it moves. Why plant churches? Because the gospel itself has this internal power to move. That's the first reason why. The second reason why is because of the very people that it reaches. Read verse 21 with me. This is Paul's ambition and his vision. Verse 21 says, Those who have never been told of him will see. And those who have never heard will understand. Paul is driven by this vision. That when he closes his eyes, he sees all of those people who never even had their first chance to hear the gospel. Who never really had the ability to grasp it. Those who have never been delivered the gospel. He closes his eyes and he sees them, their eyes lighting up. He sees their world being transformed because they're finally receiving the gospel that we've had for such a long time. How long have you had the gospel? How long have you had it? And there are people who have never, ever received it. And he says, they, they're going to see it. Those who have never gotten the gospel, they will get it. That's his ambition. The very people, the very people who need to receive it. That heart comes from God. If you look in Luke 15, you see God trying to convey that heart that he has inside of him to us. He says, there's this lost coin, you see. And, and, and she looks for it and looks for it. There's this lost sheep, you see. And the, and the shepherd is going to leave the 99 and go. You see, there's this lost son. What is he saying to us? My heart is like going to the lost. Won't you care about them with me? Jesus wears his heart on his sleeve. He looks at the crowd and he says that they're like sheep without a shepherd. My brothers and sisters, at the heart of church planting must be people. It must be the people who, who need it. There's a lot of discussion in church planting about approaches and styles and tactics and things like that. But 
the heart of church planting must go far beyond that. It's not about extending the influence of a church, or it's not about expanding a denomination. It's not about numbers. It's not about these things. But often, this is what you hear when you hear about church planting. But it's about the people. And that beating heart needs to be in all of us. You know, I take great, great pride in my lawn. I love taking care of my grass. In fact, this morning as I was leaving the church, kind of looked over my shoulder and thought, man, my grass looks nice, especially for summer, because summer is a tough time. But man, like this year, my grass looks great. Really love, you know, protecting my lawn and things like that. But recently, it's this family of rabbits um, that moved into my lawn. Um, and my daughter, second daughter, Sophia, she actually found them and they had babies, um, as you know, rabbits do. And they started... Uh, so really, they love these rabbits. My, my girls, they love these rabbits. I think I have maybe a couple of more years of using my kids as illustrations, and then they're going to tell me to stop, so I'm going to milk it. They uh, love these rabbits, um, and so that's great. But then this is what I found out last week. These rabbits are pooping all over my lawn and creating these brown spots in my lawn, and I thought, we are not having that. Because it's hard enough to keep grass green in the summer. Now I have like these piles of poop everywhere. I went in the house. My kids were eating breakfast. And I said, these rabbits got to go. They're not staying here because they're ruining my lawn. And my daughter Mia, she stood up and she said, no, Appa. I said, why? But they're pooping on my grass. And Mia stood up and I rarely see her this upset. But she stood up and she said, who cares? It's just grass. These are bunnies. (laughs) And she said that. And then Sophia, who copies whatever her older sister says, yeah, it's bunnies, right? Um, And so I guess I have to live with them. But as I was driving to church that morning, I I just reflected on, you know, that does reflect the heart of God. You know, it's really people. It's really people. And brothers and sisters, I know there's a lot of complexity with church planting and all this kind of stuff, but it comes down to the people who are on God's heart. There are these wonderful people in our lives that we need to think about. You know, you have neighbors and coworkers and and those who you, you are with, and they are funny and smart and they are kind, but they don't have the Lord. Those are the people that God has in mind. And when we engage in church planting, brothers and sisters, that is what we have to think about, the people. We cannot be married to an approach. We cannot be married to any of this stuff. And that's why we need to plant churches. You know, there are those who say you shouldn't plant churches because there are already enough churches. But you know what? It's not, you have to look at it differently. You can't just say, oh, there are 50 churches in Teaneck. There are 50 churches in Oltapan. There are 50 churches in Westchester. It doesn't work like that. Let me give you an example. We are right now, we're in Northville, New Jersey. Northville, New Jersey is roughly one square mile. In our one square mile um, in Northvale, okay, and then here's another place, Hoboken. Hoboken is also one square mile. But did you know that Hoboken has 10 times more people, more than 10 times more people than we do in Northvale? To say that there's 50 churches here, 50, Mia would say, it's just grass. The people, the people, right? The people, they're 60,000 people in Hoboken. There are, there's a little bit more than 4,000 people in Northville. Are there 10 times more gospel-loving churches in Hoboken than in Northville? You see, we need to start thinking about the 
people who break God's heart, the people who are on his mind. That's why we plant churches. Do you remember when God said this to Jonah and Jonah was just thinking about Nineveh as this kind of just a city, but God said, but Jonah, there are 120,000 people there. Each one of them breaks my heart. Why plant churches? Fundamentally, underneath everything, it is a heart for the lost. Paul says, I make it my ambition to take the gospel where the gospel has not yet gone. People who've never even gotten it the first time, they will see. Those who have never heard will see. Those who have never heard will understand. That's the why behind church planting. But why churches? This is the second part. Why plant churches? Why this mode? Why not just do evangelism? Why not just send missionaries? Well, there's a lot of reasons, but here's a few. Number one, the Lord has called us in the Great Commission not just to bring converts to him, but to make disciples. And that is something that churches must do. Read the Great Commission with me, actually, in Matthew 28, if you have it. He's calling us to something very specific here. Read it. It says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Did you hear those commands after go, what he's actually calling us to do? Those things are the things that are done by the church. He's not saying go and make converts. He says, go and make disciples. You know, that's a lifelong process, isn't it? of making disciples, of discipling them. That's something that you cannot do on a two-week mission trip. Make disciples of all nations. The second thing is to baptize them. And baptism is something that we do to bring them from death to life and then into the community of God. And then lastly, he says, teaching them to obey everything that I've taught you. You know how long that takes? Teaching them to obey everything that I've taught you? I get a sense of that when sometimes when, you know, different social issues arise and people say the church doesn't talk about this enough. The church doesn't talk about that enough. You know, church is kind of an easy target. The church doesn't talk about this enough or that enough. And it's kind of true. But do you know what the main mandate of the church is? Is not to be reactive against everything that comes up in society, even though that is important. Some of you, if you're members of Mosaic, got a letter from me this weekend about abortion. And so you know that that's something that is important, but the main mandate of the church is to teach them everything that Jesus has taught us to follow. That takes a super long time. And that is a long marathon. And that's why it's not just about sending missions, teams. It's about planting churches who could be there and live life and walk through life with them. Why plant churches? Because the Great Commission is a call to plant churches. The second reason why is that new churches are more effective at reaching new people. New churches are more effective at reaching new people. In fact, when you look at the book of Acts, you see that the book of Acts is actually a movement of the spirit. And it's going and reaching all these new people of new languages, new nations, people from all different backgrounds. And every time the spirit reaches a new people, a new church forms. Do you realize that? What doesn't happen is that the Spirit goes out and reaches all these people and then they're dragged into the Jerusalem church so that the Jerusalem church just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Guys, it's not about fishing people into mosaic. It's not. It's not about bringing people here. It's about the movement of the gospel. 
which cannot be contained, moving into new places and creating new expressions and manifestations and communities of people who they themselves can make disciples. Do you see that that is the call? And whenever you see new people reached in Acts, you see them making new churches. The biblical mandate is there um, to create new churches, but some people still say, well, you just want to plant a church because you just want more of you, right? You want to expand mosaic. Um, and yeah, that would be a terrible reason to plant churches, right? Just to expand our influence. Um, I hate the word brand, but some people will say that. You're just trying to do that. If that was our ambition, um, I really do pray that God oppose us because that, that, is, that is not a good thing. I just want to be really clear that when we talk about church planting, that's not what we're trying to do. And another thing we're not trying to do is create a better product for other Christians to transfer to. You see, the Western church, we've been guilty of this, that where we go where there are already Christians and we do not target those who are lost, but we target those who are already going to church and we create a better product, better preaching, better music, better whatever. And then we're counting on transfer growth, pulling people out of that into a better experience. That is not, let me repeat, that is not New Testament church planting. And that's not what Mosaic can be mixed up with. It's not about bringing a better version of church, but it's about bringing church to those who have never received the gospel. That should inform the way that we do this. Not only is this biblical, but when you look at empirical evidence, this is also true. Uh, when you look at empirical evidence, the best vehicle to reach new people is new churches. Ed Stetzer, he's um, a church planter, and he wrote in his book that he once talked to a professor, and he said this. Uh, his professor said, recent studies show that nine out of 10 people who are told by doctors, you have to change your lifestyle or you're going to die. He said that nine out of 10 people who are told change or die can't do it. They're told to stop smoking. They're told to lose weight. They're told to quit drinking in order to live. And nine out of 10 people die rather than change. And then the professor said this, churches are often similar. They often choose their traditions over their future. Yes, we must go and try to revitalize churches that are already there. Right? That's what some people say. Why plant a new church? There are three churches there. Yes, we have to do that. But the truth of the matter is, churches rarely change. We have to be involved in that. But if we're serious about reaching the lost, then we have to be serious about church planting. You know, new churches gain 60 to 80% of their new members from people who've never gone to church. Churches that are 10 to 15 year old, years old get 80 to 90% of their new members through transfer growth from other churches. Right? Mosaic is kind of in that post 10 years right? If we're serious about reaching the lost, then this vehicle of church that the Lord has given to us, it must be something that we have to plant and be serious about. The last thing I'll say about reasons is, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but churches are not meant to live forever. Well, let me say it this way. The universal church, the church of Jesus, big C church, there's nothing that's going to stop it. Right? Jesus said, not even the gates of hell right, will defeat my church. But at the same time, 
individual churches have lifespans. They're not meant to live forever. You know the Roman church that Paul wrote this to? They're not there anymore. You know the Corinthian church that he wrote to? They're not there anymore. You know, I went to London and I went to the Westminster Abbey and I was really excited about going to worship there during my vacation. And I went there and you know how many people came out to the prayer service? Five. Five. The Westminster Abbey, the biggest historic church in all of England. Five people were there at prayer service. Individual churches are not designed to live forever. Mosaic is not going to be around forever. Right? God will give us our appointed time. We will be faithful, and then we will be gone. And so what that means is that churches must continue the work of planting new churches. It shows that in studies, denominations need to, if they have a denomination of 10, 100 churches, that three die every year. And so you have to plant three churches a year in a denomination just to stay at zero. The work of church planting is not only biblical, but it's something that is urgent. And the ambition underneath it all is to reach the lost, to embrace them in the gospel, and to disciple them towards Christ. That's why we must plant churches. Now let me close just by saying this. As we do this, brothers and sisters, um, we need to be engaged with the Spirit. There's so many different approaches and tactics and things like that when it comes to church planting. But when I look at my Bible, and I look at New Testament church planting, real church planting cannot take place without three things. The Spirit of God, men and women who are full of the Spirit, and thirdly, a full confidence in the gospel, not tactics. A full confidence in the gospel and not tactics. And let me explain why. Let's say we're trying to plant a church the way that we said we're not going to plant a church. Let's say we're trying to plant a church that's basically just a better product. What do you need? You need a better communicator than the other churches. You need a better music than the other churches. You need better welcoming and kids ministries than the other churches. That's essentially what you need if you're planting in that way. But what if you're planting in a way that reaches people who are not yet alive in the gospel? What if the goal is to go and reach people who don't have the gospel and don't have the life of the spirit and to give them that? What do you need? You need the Spirit. What communicator can do that for you? What praise band can do that for you? You cannot. And this is where I believe sometimes in the Western church we've lost the vision of what real church planting is. It's not about giving a better product. It's about the Spirit of God moving. I love how Francis Chan puts this. What if I said, okay, guys, that's enough of a sermon. Let's all go on a field trip. Let's go to the Northville Cemetery, and we're all going to go raise the dead. Right? Because that's what spiritually, that's what... It means, right? Okay? You don't need to raise a lot. Just get one. Okay? Everyone just get one, and then we'll bring them back to church. Right? What would you need if that was the assignment? A gifted communicator? Would you need a good worship team? What, short of the very Spirit of God, can do something like that? That's why, my brothers and sisters, we are going to start by building up a storehouse of prayer. Nothing else will do it. If our church planting is truly an attempt to reach the lost with the living gospel of Jesus, nothing short of the power of the Spirit will do it. 
Read what Paul says here in verse 18 to 19. This is what he lands on. He says, For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me. That's the gospel. To bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God. Is the only thing that's going to do it. Will you commit to pray with us? We're going to start by just praying for this. After service today, we're going to invite people to come and to learn more about what exactly we want to do, where we want to go and do it, things like that. But even if you're not going to be a part of the church plants, we need everyone to engage in prayer because nothing short of the Spirit of God will do it. But when we do, we can close our eyes and already we can imagine those who have never received the gospel, those who have never heard will see. Those who have never heard will understand. Isn't that exciting? That's the heart underneath church planting. That's why we're doing it. My brothers and sisters, I would love for all of you to experience the thrill of the gospel in full power to your neighbors, to see their eyes light up when they grasp the gospel for the first time. It is so fun. It is so invigorating. I pray that you learn the full power of the gospel. Walk by the Spirit and pray with us that the Lord would plant through us churches of real life in the Spirit. Let's pray together.